This is episode 197 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Strengths and Weaknesses, and What You Need to Know to Protect Your Home from Looters, and finally Conflicted, EMP and Far Away, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, as we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to Downbeat2. Uh, left a, uh, left a, a review on iTunes and uh, says here, new listener, just started listening after hearing your podcast referred to on another podcast. Lots of good information. Keep it up. All right. Hey, thanks for dropping that uh, that review and uh, giving us those four stars. Really appreciate it. Um, I'd be interested in what uh, other podcasts mentioned us. Um, you know, I always like to uh, to hear that and just know uh, what's going on out there. So uh, if anyone's given some shout, shout outs to the Prepper Website podcast, I'd love to be able to get some shout outs back. Uh, just really appreciate that. Hey, uh, if you are on the email list, you received an email uh, today from me. And of course, uh, as you know, I always record uh, the night before. And so... Um, I sent out um, an, uh, a link to an article called Prepper Gift List, Get Them What They Really Want. And uh, really, a lot of the times, so what I've done in the past, you know, I always mention that people ask me, Todd, do you have a Patreon or do you have a way that we can donate? And I have never set that up. I don't want to set that up. I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't want to do that. I, I don't know, uh, I guess, what I have against it or not. Um, but I just never have done that. I'd rather you use your your money on preps that you can buy for yourself, you know. And then if you can support Prepper Website, that would be great. And the way that you support it is by purchasing from advertisers uh, that advertise on the site. And then also you can always make your your if if you purchase from Amazon, which so many people do, you can always make your purchases uh, through our Amazon link. And when you do that, it doesn't cost you any more money. It just, uh, you know, it gives us a little percentage, a small percentage, but, you know, if a lot of people are doing it, it adds up and it's a blessing and it helps to defer some of the costs of the website and the podcast and the email list. And I mean, all those things cost money, right? And so uh, normally what I've done in the past is around this time of the year, as we get into, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, I send out just, you know, one of those reminders to the email list. And um, so I did that this year, but as well, I created an article um, that links to um, I, what I wanted to do is create some D DIY um, and just really a couple of uh, items that you could if you wanted to DIY some some Christmas gifts or something, some gifts along those lines. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christmas gifts. So I have some ideas interspersed there, but I also have some uh, other uh, items that you can purchase, right? And so all those are, are kind of affiliates uh, that I belong to. So when you purchase from them, I mean, some of them are Amazon. Others are like Conflicted, uh, Stove in a Can, Hydro Blue, the Jerry Can. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about that here in, in the future. And then uh, I want to let you know that Legacy Foods is having a, a killer promotion right now. 25% off uh, site-wide uh, through November 28th. 
and then uh, they have 50% off one of their buckets. It's like a 60 serving bucket, 17 pound uh, bucket. It's normally, uh, you know, like 199. Right now it's like 50% off. So it's a great deal if you're looking to buy some food storage in, in that capacity that way. Um, so I have all those in that prepper gift list. Uh, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I'll link to it on prepper website. And like I said, if you uh, are on the email list, you've already received it. And uh, you know, uh, you don't have to you know go purchase through through those through those links or anything like that. But if you want to you know support prepper website, that is a way to do it. So I, I appreciate every every little bit of support that we get out there. It truly is a blessing. And uh, like I said, it helps defer some of the cost out there. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Our first article comes to us from 1776patriotusa.com, John Rourke's website over there. And uh, it's not a very long one, but I think it's a very important one when we're thinking about uh, if there really is a collapse situation, that there are going to be skills that people have Older people that we don't, uh, you know, we might say, okay, they they're not big and strong, and you know, they can't uh, perform a lot of manual labor, but they have a lot of information that you might not realize that they do. And I love that John uh, points that out here in this article. So let's go ahead and read this one: strengths and weaknesses. I've had some older folks suggest that they are useless should the SHTF. They talk about their bad knees, inability to run, or other physical limitations. Others will say they are just not tactical enough and don't have an aggressive mindset. It is disappointing to hear talk like this and the display of such defeatist perspectives. We all have value. We can all contribute. The fact is we also all have limitations and some of those limitations can be detrimental. While certainly there are cases which weaknesses can be changed, the reality is we are who we are. For peppers, those weaknesses must be identified and dealt with. Example, your group has 12 members, two are over 70 years old, three of the others are obese and have physical limitations when it comes to exerting themselves, one member is a CrossFit athlete, the rest are ordinary people in average shape. The decision on sending a patrol out three to five miles from the property to watch for traffic on a popular rural road and and report back their observations would have to take physical limitations as well as mental ones into consideration. Another example, the group arrives at the retreat. The retreat arrival checklist is pulled out and responsibilities are divided. Responsibilities and tasks revolving around food prep, cooking, sanitation, logistics, inventory control, security, water, water filtration, etc. are all critical to the success of the group. The CrossFit athlete has a serious reading and writing problem, and one of the 70-year-olds worked for the post office in logistics. Strengths and weaknesses must be considered. Another example. Over the last three days, the perimeter of the property has been tested by someone on a motorcycle. It is apparent they are testing the waters to see how the group is reacting and to gather intelligence. Two of the group members are ex-military and suggest an attack is imminent. A defensive plan specifically geared towards this known threat must be implemented. One of the 70-plus-year-olds fought in Vietnam. The other member was in the first Gulf War. The tactical experience and knowledge level must be considered for all members as a plan is devised. It would be great if we could all be John J. Rambo with advanced medical degrees. That is just not realistic. Having the ability to not take offense is also important. There's no room for egos when it comes to survival. Accessing 
uh, or I'm sorry, assessing skills and making decisions that are in the best interest of the group is critical. Everyone needs to be on the same page and the entire topic should be discussed well before the bug out takes place. Lastly, if you realize you have weaknesses, consider making changes to eliminate them. Certainly some are unavoidable. Having limitations due to being overweight can be improved. If your cardio just plain sucks and you could not walk six miles if your life depended on it, then get out there and start walking. Even small improvements over time will add up. All right, so like I said, short little article here, but good information. There's about uh, 10 comments. Some of these comments are a little bit longer, so uh, there might be some really good information over there. But uh, I think it's a, it's a topic that needs to come up because a lot of the times, uh, you know, I know that there are a lot of seasoned preppers out there, uh, seasoned citizen preppers, right? And uh, I, I hear from them all the time. Hey, I have, you know, I have disabilities or I have this or I have that, but I have skills or I have knowledge. Uh, you know, I did this, you know, in my time, uh, you know, when I was younger. And so uh, those things are, would be very, very valuable in one of those uh, types of situations. You might not, they might not be able to do hard manual labor, but they might be able to take care of kids or they might be able to even educate kids if uh, that was a situation where you needed to have some kind of uh, school or teaching to read. I mean, that's all, you know, I wrote a book a long time ago uh, called Education After the Collapse, where I talked a little bit about the basics of reading and math and science and those kinds of things, just coming from my education background. And um, we don't always really think about those. I mean, we think about those things like uh, the poop is going to hit the fan and then... Uh, uh, then we have, you know, it's like the zombie apocalypse, like every man for themselves and everything is all in survival, survival, survival. But at some point, we, we're going to have kids. People are going to continue having babies. There's going to be kids who need to learn how to read and write and do basic math. And so, you know, some of those older uh, seasoned uh, citizen preppers which could be used to, to help uh, do some of those things. They might not know all the, the teaching strategies and things like that, but like I said, there are books out there. That might be some of the books that you put away in your uh, in your survival library. I need to link to, uh, man, if I remember, I will link to Education After the Collapse. Uh, like I said, it's a free, uh, it's a free ebook that I wrote a while back, and uh, I'd love for you to be able to download that, and so you can... Uh, uh, you know, have that in your in your arsenal and your P. You know, you can print it out as a PDF or whatever. But uh, you know, I think it's a great topic and something to really think about. Uh, back in the day, before uh, you know, we we really got modernized. Uh, there was generations of family lived in the same home, and so you had that help of older parents. You had uh, the help of uh, you know the family all kind of got got along and, and 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 you know did things together and uh, you know you all depended on it. so you had that wisdom there years of wisdom built in and we really don't have that anymore we all we're like silos all in our own homes and uh, you know living that way but I think uh, it, when the poop hits the fan that's why I am a big big proponent of coming together and forming community. Uh, definitely you should try to do that now and, and know some of your neighbors now. But uh, I'm definitely, if I am, you know, in my uh, neighborhood, if I don't make it out to, you know, my dad's place out in the country, um, you know, I am going to be building community as fast as possible, r uh, rallying people around, talking about the, the things that we need to be talking about and making sure that we get things uh, squared away. And there's going to be some older people that aren't going to be able to do some of the things, but they'll be 
be able to handle uh, some of the things that uh, that I've been talking about, and they'll have great great knowledge. So uh, you know, things to consider there. Um, definitely, uh, you know, older older seasoned citizen preppers have a lot to offer. So don't forget that. All right, so. Um, Going on to our next article, this is a little bit longer. This comes to us from survivalpedia.com. And this article is what you need to know to protect your home from looters. And definitely it's a situation where, uh, you know, after you listen, after you, uh, you listen to this article, um, you know, you'll, you might look at, uh, situations, crisis, maybe a little bit differently. So let's go ahead and jump right into this one. When you emerged from your emergency storm shelter, you immediately noticed the eerie quiet of a total area power outage, reminding you of a cemetery. A lone dog barking in the distance snapped you out of the shock of all the destruction you were staring at. It looked like all your neighbor, neighbors had evacuated at the last minute, so all you needed was tumbleweeds and you'd have a ghost town. You walked out into the street around the strewn wreckage and noticed movement about a block down and saw three muscular young men with tattoos and large backpacks suspiciously looking into somebody's damaged home. One of them was carrying a crowbar. They spotted you and watched you move around the damaged area of your home. You got behind a corner of your house and checked your G20C loaded with heavy-duty Buffalo 180-grain jacketed hollow points for one in the chamber, Palm slapped the bottom of the mag, reholstered, peeked around the corner of the house, and this time the menacing trio were walking slowly down the street, coming straight towards you. And now one of them was carrying a gun. That's a scenario that can happen. What do you do next? Do you have the guts to make the right move to survive? SHTF experiences vary in ways that require dedicated preparation, modifications, and specific tactical protocols. In scenarios where emergency resources of police and first responders are rapidly deployed, population remains under control even if the population is in progress, a concentrated forest fire or protest anarchy, and police usually remain on the scene for the duration. But in the aftermath of a major widespread hurricane, tsunami, super ice storm, blizzard, volcanic eruption, major earthquake, Um, The police will not always be there to try to keep everybody safe due to the sheer enormity of of area. And uh, and courts have ruled that they are not liable if they can't guarantee your personal safety, even if you pay them with your tax dollars. This means the police and even first responders will likely not even be available for emergency calls in your area for long periods of time in the aftermath of an extreme event. Cell towers will also be damaged, and your phones often won't even connect. The notion of police security no longer exists. This is why, if it gets really bad with no end in sight, the National Guard will be deployed to try to restore order and facilitate aid. Certain predators know this only too well. The specific category for the criminal activities in such a scenario is called looting. As seen in news clips, it is often a fiendish, out-of-control, riot-like action that begins to resemble one of those zombie movies. But there's a new and more insidious type of criminal looting trend happening recently which is reminiscent of the likes of ancient hordes of plundering vandals and vikings. Police investigations have found that in recent looting crimes, the perpetrators now have the iniquitous audacity to organize ahead of time for a potential loot fest 
by recruiting partners in crime on Facebook or Twitter and other social media to hook up for planned looting before an imminent storm. While the rest of us are desperately trying to get ready to survive a really bad weather event, the almost unfathomable reality is that loot gangs are instead actually prepping for the looting. They are assessing in advance the right targets they know will be absent and then hitting their marks immediately after it. Often the leaders of the looters directs which stores or businesses to hit and they usually have weapons to intimidate the owners to leave or to breach the entrance and stand intimidation guard while their cohorts haul out the loot. But these prime looting locations clean out fast and sometimes the feeding frenzy often winds up with fires and vandalism and deadly violence after the initial sacking is overdue to the pumped-up mob mentality. The main difference between looters and other criminals is twofold. First, they are more vile and psychotic than an average thief. They are more despicable than other predators because they focus on taking advantage of unfortunate people when they are helpless and in trouble. They are like overgrown sewer rats sneaking around where they don't belong and cannibalizing anything they can devour in a violent feeding frenzy without concern for people's feelings for heirlooms, irreplaceable lifetime treasures, and even their lives. Secondly, looters are predictable. You absolutely know they'll be there after a disaster. They'll ooze out of the cracks like filthy cockroaches, knowing that they don't have to fear official exterminators for now, and then they crawl around people's property randomly in the aftermath not to help people, but to loot and pillage, and even worse. There's never been a major disaster without them. They are a certain threat that will put you in imminent danger if you are a target of their interest. As soon as the police announced that they too would be evacuating with the citizens in areas of Florida's hurricanes last month and police protection in 9-11 would be temporarily suspended, scores of looters started slithering into the area even as water began to rise and the last leaving cops were busting them as far as they could. Uh, There is uh, a video here, uh, I guess, uh, hurricane looting uh, in Florida. You can uh, check this one out. Alright, looters take advantage of property destruction, chaos, and lack of patrolling police to advance their evil deeds. They know they don't have to waste too much time casing the area or breaking in or even worrying about the owners being home or alarms bringing cops because invariably all power will be out to a badly hit area. The looters' modus operandi is to move fast, pick mostly on businesses, but then there's the pro-looters the ones you rarely hear about. They're not interested in pairs of Michael Jordan gym shoes or cigarettes or computers from Walmart. They are the ones that like to hit quickly evacuated homes for left-behind expensive personal items like jewelry, cash, guns, coins, etc. But the bad angle to this is they are potentially violent home invaders as well who actually prefer their target houses occupied with live victims who choose to ride out the storm so they could torture them into telling where their personal valuables were, making their looting easier. After all, why not? They know there's no place available and most of the neighbors evacuated. Who's going to stop them? They've been known to stab and cut children and threaten to kill them if the family didn't open the safe or give up where they hide their valuables. 
In the island chains where last month's hurricane's damage was so bad that people were walking around in a shocked daze, desperately scavenging for drinks, waters, and food, lauders, <laughs> looters were attacking and robbing their poor survivors of whatever they managed to find and were carrying. Guns are mostly prohibited in these places, so the loathsome looters knew they wouldn't be much, if any, resistance. Because they, of course, they had weapons. In Puerto Rico's recent apocalyptic event, early humanitarian aid and Red Cross-type supply trucks were overwhelmed by violent gangs of looters who threatened the unarmed aid workers and stole everything for themselves. Some of the first government calls for assistance on the island, which was totally without power, was for more security personnel to be included, along with water and food to break up the onslaught of roving gangs. All the horror stories aren't in yet, but because of the media and island access restrictions and censorship, but there's sure to be some ugly ones we'll eventually be hearing about. Even those who are sworn to help and protect are often worse than the criminals, and local corrupt police have been known to become just as bad or worse than the criminals they should be stopping. It's bad enough if you are worried about anarchy and predators in some other type of social breakdown while you're safe and secure in your well-stocked and fortified bug-out location or BOL uh, compound. What happens when a whole wall in your home is gone and every window and door blown out and is literally wide open for business? Bad business. So that's the first problem you'll face. There's absolutely no protection and nothing to even slow down, let alone prevent somebody from walking right into your house unannounced and ravaging what they want, then dancing down the street to assault more victims. Nothing, that is, but you. So, the first thing you do when coming out of your mole hole or back from the BOL to, access, to assess the storm damage to your house and try to salvage what's left is to make sure you're well armed and carrying while you're doing that. If normal police service is not happening, you have every Second Amendment right to protect yourself. The second thing is to make sure your survival essentials like food and water are intact and your backup lighting supplies are okay. Virtually all these types of superstorms immediately kill the area power, and there's no telling anymore how long the power will be out. The quick fix for most people is a small gas generator. These are okay temporarily, but you have to stock up on many, many gallons of gas to last days and days. A far better alternative would be a backup battery bank with solar small windmill charging setup that runs silent and self-sustains much longer. A running gas generator might also attract unwanted company. Thirdly, treat your exposed house like a remote military base camp. Establish your perimeter security that you should have prepared in advance for by setting up your outside perimeter tripwire anti-intrusion alert devices and blocking open access to your house with entry obstructions. Even down tree branches and other material, materials can inhibit an intruder's entry long enough for you to be ready for action. Next, you should find a last-ditch defense spot in your house away from the openings that might let intruders flank you from behind. It should allow you to move around and scan through windows or door openings to see around outside of your house, but be back inside enough without anybody outside easily seeing you so you can then quickly fall back to and cover any main openings the looters may attempt to use if something bad is coming. Use furniture or other objects and materials to provide barriers, cover, and stealth. This is where you would sleep at night also so you cannot be easily rushed and physically grabbed before you can get off some firepower. 
if you really if you were really prepared you could set up a very bright flood light on a switch to literally blind anybody as soon as they get close both at night and during the day have very high lumen tactical lights on your firearms at least and lastly if you do live in a high risk area like parts of florida and the east west coast and california everybody knows that the climate is getting worse due to so-called climate change but more likely due to out of control geoengineering crimes Get together with any of your neighbors who might want to talk about setting up a mutually shared aftermath plan if they also decide to try to ride out or get stuck by a surprise event. And so I think that is, um, for me, that, that is more of an answer than trying to create your own perimeter and your own, you know, last ditch um, place to fight, you know, looters and, and stuff like that. Uh, that would be my first go-to would be to uh, link up with other people. And I think um, more, uh, I mean, I don't know what it would be like now in Houston. Um, I, again, things that happened in Harvey, I mean, that is just a once-in-a-lifetime. Uh, that's once-in-history in, in time. I mean, because they're saying a thousand-year flood. I mean, we've never experienced anything like that ever before in Houston's history or even on the on on the Gulf Coast, right? I mean, like I said, I keep saying Houston, but... Uh, I do want to remind everyone that, you know, all up and down the Gulf Coast, there was whole cities flooded. And so, uh, yeah, but I, so I don't know how people would react if people would next time, if they would go ahead and bug out and just go up, you know, further up north to, uh, to be, you know, protected or whatever. But I also know that in Florida, people uh, evacuated and then regretted evacuating. So next time they probably wouldn't evacuate. And so uh, that's why I say uh, my first thing would be is to, if I was afraid of looters or bands of looters, uh, something like that, uh, you know, I would be linking up with, uh, with my neighbors. Okay, so continuing on. In the 1992 LA riot, uh, riots, authorities supposedly didn't prosecute property owners standing their ground when looters turned violent and deadly and major orders were often given out in such extraordinary situations that police and guard will shoot to kill all looters. In the infamous 68 Chicago race riots, entire neighborhoods were looting stores, private residents, and themselves. Mayor Daley made the public announcement that he ordered police to shoot to kill all looters on site. Most of the looters weren't even armed, but that didn't seem to bother them. They must have figured there's not enough cops to cover everything. They forgot that the cops made up for that with a lot of extra ammo and a little heavier firepower than their service pistols. This became very ugly. But the orders were legal in a state of emergency martial law. Looters were and still are considered to be very bad hombres by the state. So what does that mean for you? Check your local laws. The bottom line will be that police and National Guard enforcement of order is very different from your guarding your home. You still can't shoot anybody just for stealing stuff from abandoned, unsecure homes down the block. And how would you know, for the most part, that, that they aren't just regular neighbors, folks from around the corner scavenging for food or water because they are completely destroyed in desperate need and no help is coming soon? That being said, I'm sure that some states have laws that you can shoot at people stealing your physical property even though your life wasn't in immediate danger. I personally wouldn't do that. Maybe I'd warn them with some airburst fireworks from heaven just over their heads and ask them where they wanted their remains sent if they didn't immediately leave. 
most first type sneaker sneak looters will depart forthwith if they try to attack you that's a different story but the important idea is to find out if you live in a castle doctrine law state where you can legally sit there on your property with a locked and loaded high capacity weapon and defend against those attempting to breach your property with deadly force if necessary I think Florida is pretty okay with this, but as the storm tracks northward up the coast and the spread of totalitarian local laws continue, I just don't know anymore. The general rule is that if you are on your property and allowed to stand your ground, as opposed to being forced to first try to flee by law, you are allowed to resist an intruder looting your home with deadly force only if you are also in fear for your life or great bodily harm for the looter. And I certainly would be seriously concerned about being killed by one of these psychos if they had the balls to keep coming towards me after I warned them to get off my property and they had weapons. A lot of information there. There are uh, a lot of comments here. Uh, people talking about California and uh, uh, you know living in California and where they live and uh, providing some advice there uh, you know along the way. So. Uh, I think this is uh, one to, to consider and to go check out. I mean, of course, we don't always have looting situations, but, uh, you know, on top of it nowadays, you need to be thinking about if there is riots, if there is a natural disaster, then there's the possibility for looting to be happening as well on top of all of that, right? And so uh, you need to be prepared for that. That needs to be part of... Um, you know, it, it's not something that just freezes you in your tracks, but it needs to be part of your preparedness plans. Something that you think about, something that, uh, you know, you keep uh, prepped and aware for. Uh, definitely that's why you have, uh, you want to have, uh, you know, backup radios. You want to have, uh, uh, you know, the, the crank radios and different things like that, ham radios. Uh, even if it's just, uh, you know, the Balfung to be able to listen in on. Uh, things that are going on and, and maybe some scanners or whatever uh, just you know to, to be able to be informed of what's going on out in the area so that you can protect yourself and make good decisions so that's over at survivalpedia.com uh, go check that out like I said there's uh, a couple of videos here uh, that you might want to check out or at least that one uh, you know one thing that I would be interested in is finding out a little bit more of uh, about the 68 Chicago race riots and uh, what all went on there, uh, and and I mean I I really never looked into that too too much. I've never really read any articles about that either. So that would be one thing that I would be interested in looking at. So if uh, anybody has finds comes across any great history articles or uh, you know videos or whatever, uh, feel free to pass them along to me. All right. So uh, today uh, for the podcast, like always on Thursday. Uh, we do a conflicted scenario, and conflicted is a card game which uh, you know has um, you know scenarios on the back that have to do with uh, collapse, the world collapsing, or the nation collapsing, uh, you know uh, EMPs, whatever it might be, uh, all kinds of different things going on that uh, will would cause you to make some decisions that you normally don't make on a regular basis, and so that's why it's called conflicted because. Uh, your, uh, you know, your answer uh, could cause you to be conflicted or your, the answer that you would have to the scenario might cause you to do some things that you're not normally or wouldn't want to do uh, as you start to think about these things, right? Because they're, they're pretty heavy. Some of these things are pretty heavy. And so 
you know, I, I try to pick and, and choose the scenarios as we go along uh, and, uh, you know, try to bring some out that are, you know, um, very interesting for everyone. I'll tell you, last week's uh, really was very interesting. I mean, a lot of people left comments on last week's uh, uh, scenario over at Ed That Matters. And so I release it. Uh, I'll link to it. And you can go to Ed That Matters. And so you can go through the scenario in your head and listen to it here and kind of think about it, reflect on it. And maybe, you know, just that's it. You know, never, ever do anything with it again. Or you can come share your thoughts over at edthatmatters.com. The cool thing is that uh, most everybody that listens to the podcast hears um, here's the scenario first before it gets put on Prepper website. And so, uh, you know, you'll be one of the first comments if you, if you go uh, post over there. But uh, let, me, let me preface that with saying this. A lot of the times where I've done the, the conflicted scenarios, people say, well, that's really stupid. I wouldn't be in that situation. I would have this, 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 and this. And the idea is, is yeah, right. I mean, everybody is prepared in, a, in, in different ways and different levels. The idea is to take this scenario... And then apply what you know about preparedness now. Apply it to this scenario with the with the parameters that the scenario is giving you. And so, you know, different people are, are at different levels in their preparedness and will come at it from different uh, perspectives. And then, of course, all, there's all the other things, morality and, and maybe even your faith. All that kind of stuff might play uh, a big part of how you answer these things. But just don't, you know, come in and like, oh, hey, I would just, you know, I wouldn't be caught in that situation. That's dumb. Uh, you know, l- listen to the scenario and then use critical thinking skills. How would I go about uh, you know, answering this scenario, what would I do in this scenario with what I know? How would I handle it? Right. And so uh, this one is called conflicted EMP and far away. All right. So here we go. You are at a business convention 1200 miles away from your family when an EMP goes off and stops the entire civilization in its tracks. None of the means of communication or transportation work. The banking system and all the comforts of modern civilization are broken, setting the entire country back hundreds of years. Infrastructure won't be fixed anytime soon and you aren't ready for this. You have $300 in your pocket and a few hours before all shelves are empty. Would you stay local or head for home? Whatever your decision is, what would you buy with the money and why? I'm going to read it one more time just so that, uh, just in case you missed any of it, uh, you'll get it again. So here it goes. You're at a business convention 1,200 miles away from your family when an EMP goes off and stops the entire civiliza- civilization in its tracks. None of the means of communication or transportation work. The banking system and all the comforts of modern civ- civilization are broken, setting the entire country back hundreds of years. Infrastructure won't be fixed anytime soon and you aren't ready for this. You have $300 in your pocket and a few hours before all shelves are empty. Would you stay local or head for home? Whatever your decision is, what would you buy with the money and why? I actually wrote an article, and so that's the conflicted scenario. So how would you answer that? And then, uh, like I said, if you're interested in dropping your comments down, uh, you can come over to Ed That Matters. Uh, I'll link to it, and then you can you know, drop your, your, uh, how you would go about in this scenario in the comment section. And uh, So anyway, I, I wrote an article that's very similar to, to kind of this. Uh, it was actually it's like a fictional account. Uh, I was talking about stealth cooking, uh, but it's a fictional account. And um, 
kind of goes into a little bit of this about what uh, my character does. And so I link to it at the very beginning. I just kind of hyperlink some of the, um, the, the words there in the scenario over, over, the, over at edthatmatters.com if you're interested in that. And by the way, conflicted is one of the things that I put in the prepper list, uh, gift list, because um, you know it's, it's not something that you see every day. So if you're looking for something kind of unusual, if, you're, if you have uh, somebody that you give unusual gifts to every year, um, or you're looking for like a white elephant gift that might be, you know, uh, kind of cool, kind of different, or you're looking for something for the, you know, for the office party or, or whatever. This might be uh, conflicted cards might be something, you know, different that no one uh, is, you know, has seen before. And so uh, you might be, you know, your gift might be the, the life of the party, right, uh, on that one. But anyway, that's over at edthatmatters.com. And uh, conflicted EMP far and away. All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me on episode 197. I would like to invite you over to the Facebook group. If you are not a part of that Facebook group, come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and hit free Facebook group. It'll take you right over there. Click join and we'll get you in there. Or you can go over to amoreselfrelientlife.com. You can put that straight into your browser um, all one word, amoreselfrelientlife.com, and that'll take you straight to the Facebook group. You can hit join, and uh, we'll get you in there. And so we'd love to have you be part of uh, our Facebook group. Uh, we've got a, just a great group of people over there. Hey, uh, if you get a chance and you'd like to drop me a line, come over to episode 197. Drop me a line in the comment section. I always love to hear uh, back from uh, listeners and any kind of feedback that you might have. Or you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I love to connect on social media. With that, guys, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.